Yeah. I'm in the house, y'all. I'm blackity black, the black, black, y'all. <laughs> yeah, ho- gotta say hotel to my brother Logic for coming through <laughs> in the African garb this morning. Word. Yeah, you know. Fresh out of Zimbabwe. <laughs> know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, we can get called Hotep anyway. You know what I mean? Always. So we might as well just rock with it, man. <laughs> Let's just keep it rolling. Yeah, well, first openly Hotep rappers in hip hop. Uh, Greenhouse. Openly Hotep. <laughs> Girl, did you know he was openly Hotep? <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> openly Hotep. <laughs> like it's a sexual preference or something. <laughs> they treat you like it is. He openly holds that girl. Uh-uh. Did you see what that dashiki on? He had on some African beads. <laughs> Here he go talking about the ancestors again. <laughs> oh, man. You know how them hotels do. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you too, man. Yeah, it's super early. It's real early, man. This shit is, is weird as fuck. Super, super early. You know, I'm not mad about it, but, you know, I'm glad I woke up earlier this time. Yeah. Last time we did one of these, I made the mistake of waking up like 20 <laughs> minutes before you got here. Right. Yeah. I was so, hurting, man. man. Really was hurting. Yeah, early morning. Early morning. Yeah, you got to work in a couple hours, man. Yeah, sure do. Yeah, like that. that makes the outfit even tighter. It's even doper that you coming through looking like that. Hey, man, you know, taking that straight to the know. corporate you America. Know what I'm like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Walk in with the fist up, like what? Yeah, African shit. You just some tribal music playing. Just come through with that motherfucker. Some shoot drugs. Yeah, shoot your boss in the neck with a dark gun, <laughs> blow gun, uh, knock his ass out in the house. Yeah, fucking Shaka Zulu his ass. Word. <laughs> <laughs> Straight out the bush. <laughs> oh hell <man>. yeah! <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <sighs> I walk up in there barefoot, like <laughs> put a dashiki on, and look at them like they crazy for looking at you, right, like you right. crazy. Right. Oh. Oh man. Uh, how you doing, man? You good today? I'm good, man. Real good. You know, woke. Uh, woke. It feels good to be woke. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's bright and early today. Yeah, nice day too. Beautiful out. Beautiful yeah. fucking outside. It ain't really been no hood tales yet this week, man. So. Oh nah. Nah. Yesterday. Slow, slow week. Slow week, man. I did hear a funny comment yesterday though. That was like. That kind of had me weak, man. Like my neighbors, I was in my bedroom, and uh, the dude across the street, his brother lives next to me. Mm-hmm. So at my window, I just hear, "Man, what?" I had to slap my bitch up today, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, he said, and his brother said, "Word, did she act right? <laughs> did she start acting right?" What? Dog, this shit was so fucking funny, man. <laughs> I was like, wow. Dog, I gotta start recording this shit with my handheld recorder, man. The shit that I be hearing from these cats, man. He said, I mean, he just sounded distraught. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it, man. She forced my hand. Like, he made it sound like that. It was so fucking funny. I was like, did he just. 
And then his brother's like, oh, what? Did she start acting like that? <laughs> like, they, like it's a regular recurrence. Yeah. Like, this is what we do in this family. <laughs> you know, we slap up our bitches. <laughs> Come on, man. I had to slap my bitch up today, man. <laughs> Damn. Damn, again? Yeah, like, like it was a flat tire. <laughs> Wow, that's why. Like, you know, he's just, just, just distraught. Like he had, he was forced to. Man, yeah, like he had no choice. <laughs> I had to change my tire today. <laughs> did it act right? Did it roll right? Yeah. Did you get to work on time? You know, that's how casual the conversation was. That's man. wild. Yeah, wild dudes, man. Word. Man. Word. But, you know, we in the hood, man. Hey, so, uh, yeah. Oh, did Southern Vanguard last night. Oh, you did an interview on that? Interview, yeah. Nice. Me and Lucy did an interview last yeah, night. Yeah, those the peeps. That's the fam. Yeah, it was good. Good times. Yeah, I rock with them. Good times. Good really times. dope podcast. Yeah. For those who don't know, uh, Southern Vanguard Radio with uh, John Doe mm. and uh, Eddie Meeks. Meeks. My guy. Twice a week, Meeks. <laughs> <laughs> Cappuccino. You know, Cappuccino Meeks. Uh, yeah, from ATL. Uh, they got a dope podcast one I actually listen to mm-hmm. and I subscribe to it on uh, Stitcher and everything I listen to it every week they drop Tuesdays and an interview every Thursday with you know hip hop artists on the interviews but then they do a mix show on Tuesdays Yeah, really dope uh, podcast if you just want to hear bangers yeah just joints all the time joints <laughs> yeah cause I didn't start listening to them until um, they interview you cause I really didn't okay I really didn't mess with it like that and um, yeah I've been listening ever since yeah I, f- I think they started their podcast maybe two or three months before me and Groove did the first Super Duty. Oh, where? So we were, I mean, now they got mad episodes ahead of us. Yeah, there's like 120. <laughs> I think yeah. they, I think to, like when they drop today, the mix show today is going to be like 119 or something. Oh, yeah, they got us by a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're at like 60-something. Yeah, yeah, 68, I think, today. But yeah, when we started, we were like really like only two or three episodes apart. Oh, okay. And then they started doing twice a week. Yeah. And then me and Groove just disappeared for four months. Right. And then you came back. By then, they were up like 50 episodes. <laughs> <on us. laughs> like, okay, we're never catching them. Right. But uh, yeah, especially the twice a week thing. I don't think we're going to catch them. But it's a dope podcast. So Logic's got an interview on there. I've got an interview this week dropping on um, the Take 92 podcast. Okay. Yeah, with Sammy right, Warmhands. It might come out today. So it's me and him talking about uh, the Kingdom Crown movie. Okay. Real in-depth. We talked about it for about an hour. Right. And a really dope interview. Elijah just did one on there too. That was really dope. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So if you've got time, if you dig Super Duty, you know, word, mess with the fam, word. fuck with the fam, you know, like family, Southern Vanguard Radio, um, and then a uh, Take ninety two podcast, which is every other week. Mm-hmm. And Take ninety two is an interview based podcast by our guy Sammy Warmhands out of Eugene, Oregon. Word, and, word. Uh, yeah, rock with him, man. So yeah, that's that's it, man. You want today? Today topic topic we getting into it. This is for the beat makers, the beat the heads. producers, Word. the people who produce things, <laughs> make things. <laughs> you know, and this boom, is boom cats. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> boom boom bat. You know the family, the boom bat family out there. This is for uh, those cats, man. We haven't really done one specifically about production yet, have we? Uh, I think we talked about production once before. Yeah, I'm, quite, but, I'm not quite sure we did. I feel like we have not like a full yeah drink. not like a full episode I don't think. okay so this one is about like uh you know logic asked a question last week on his social media about using drum kits mm-hmm. and uh you know some people debate this right and uh 
my response was simple. Right. <laughs> it, it got a nice number of retreats. Over just focus on making dope shit. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. It was like, yo, who cares what what drums you use? Just focus on making dope shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it but it lar- it uh, sparked a larger question about to me at least about rules. Mm-hmm. And some people on the outside don't know, but hip hop guys who make beats, just like DJs, there's certain unspoken rules right. that have been around for decades. And sometimes uh, these rules can actually get in the way of your production, mm-hmm. your output, making dope shit. And so uh, this week we're going to talk about rules that hurt producers. And, um, you know, we got like 10 joints. 10 joints? A lot of them. And so these obviously apply to production, but I think they might go a lot bigger than that. You yeah. Know? They might extend further into other creative fields. Right. As right. usual. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about rules that hurt producers. And we'll be right back. Word. We got you stuck off the realness. The most infamous. You heard of us. Official podcast murderers. The show comes equipped with few points to share. Grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow. So go ahead and download every single week with a brand new episode. You're not alone in this world, cousin. So we share information and honest discussion and keep repping the culture like we supposed to. They spread gossip, but they never come close to. I can hear it inside their tone. They talk Talk about the industry but never left their home You get laced up with bullet points and such Plus empowering topics that they never would touch You can put your whole network against the team But Super Duty Tough Works the MVP Most valuable podcast on MP3 Priceless info but all of it's free huh. So take these words home and think them through Super Duty Tough Work is coming at you now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. All right. Yeah, we back in the building. Mm. The most infamous. Yes, the most earliest. <laughs> the earliest podcast on planet Earth. <laughs> the earliest early the most earliest <laughs> <laughs> yeah we talking about rules that hurt producers man and uh we got 10 joints word you want to start with number one i will spark it off Go um ahead. number one number one working with too many artists trying to chase placements yes very very important rule mm-hmm. especially in today's era where right. everyone has access to everyone. Right. What you see now, which didn't used to be the, play, the the time, we came from an era where producers produced whole re- records. Right. We had the the Bomb Squad who did Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, Premier, whose namesake was, you know, uh, Gangstar right. and the Gangstar Foundation. They're associated acts. Mm-hmm. Pete Rock with the CL Smooth. Right. We, ba- you know, you basically had producers who were either in groups with an artist mm-hmm. or they were just like the behind the scenes right sound behind the artist right organized what, noise outcast yeah yeah and some of the biggest artists came up that way mm-hmm. but what we saw with like the remix era mm-hmm. of hip-hop introduced uh, like a whole thing where like producers were doing you know remixes on 12 inches you know which were dope mm-hmm. but that kind of led into producers doing music with a gang of other people Right. The, I think the first record I remember with multiple producers was Illmatic. 
at that time it was very very weird that they did that yeah and it was the first one certainly the first one that worked right on that level yeah because it sounded like one producer yes yeah. but i i also think that it sounded that way because he he had producers like q-tip mm-hmm. uh guys who were p-rock yeah, yeah and they worked together anyway yeah which is unlike now and then the thing too is like they had guys who were getting two to three beats a piece mm-hmm. on a 10 track album right that's different than 10 producers getting one track right 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 you know it's easier to sound cohesive when you got three guys really shaping the sound mm-hmm. okay let's get that one from premiere that goes with this and you know um but now we're in an era where producers are almost being pushed to getting placements and for those who don't know placements placements are basically where you're sending beats to a million different guys mm-hmm. beat cds beat tapes whatever links to your soundcloud hoping that one of them picks one beat that gets put on a big album i.e a placement and that placement allows you to sell you know get your name out there and attract more placements and eventually you get your name out there as a producer get more work etc etc now i'm not saying that that's in and of itself getting placements is bad it's not bad but i think that there's almost a rule in place now that the guys who get placements are almost superior or in a better position than those who work with uh, artists, certain artists exclusively. Right. And right. we haven't really, you got to really look at the thing that we we're talking about earlier. Like, how do you get a sound? Mm-hmm. How do you get a sound when you have so many different moving pieces? Right. If you got 10 different producers on Illmatic, would it sound different than just three? Right. Exactly. Three or four, you know? And so um, that's what we're looking at now. And if you look at like the guys who have signature sounds, Mm-hmm. very rarely do they take the approach of multiple you know a different beat from a different person for a whole album right i mean even the early drake stuff was mainly 40 yeah 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 you know exactly. what I'm saying? and that's why he they have a signature sound yeah and and the producers that they bring in imitate that sound exactly they're making 40 style yeah right <laughs> for drake. right that's why it works yeah yeah and, and uh it's 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 something that people have to really really look at and i think producers now are getting so caught up in trying to get placements that they're chasing a lot mm-hmm. they're ch- they're running everybody down they're they're hitting up random people i get sent links to beats every goddamn oh, yeah, day on too. twitter it's annoying yeah. a, a thread will be about something else some will just drop their link in there <laughs> that's the that's the worst yeah like dude don't just be you know what I'm saying it's, it's like terrorism you know what i'm saying just, <laughs> just dropping bombs yeah just drive by on my <laughs> on my news feed don't do that you know what i'm saying i'm having a conversation with somebody else it's right. like you just coming up you might as well just throw your demo at me mm-hmm. you know and it doesn't make me want to listen to them but i understand that they feel that that way because they think that placements are the most important thing to get as a producer now i'm not going to say placements are not necessarily that but what's important is doing dope work with dope people right that's important and but the chasing part of getting placements to me is ruining a lot of the uh originality that Mm -hmm. we hear and it's stopping like these homegrown like the 40 type producers who start with an artist when he's small Mm -hmm. mold his sound and the whole industry has to copy that sound right like you have less of that when you have guys making what they think is hot Mm -hmm. or what that artist would like you know because i hate i hate getting the links and then you know because i visit them sometimes and then it'll have like you know a Drake type beat that'll be the title of <laughs> yep. the beat, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Or you trap know, this, beat, yeah, trap 2000. beat too, yeah. <laughs> and then you know, and it'll have like artist names that they're like 
emulating the style of music that they make and that really turns me off you know what i'm saying then i I just delete the email at that point but you know that's that's the thing people trying to chase you know what they think is gonna make a name for them instead of just making dope shit yes and and that's that's like you're saying like you're the same way i am where i mean i'm at the point where it's like how someone approaches me influences how yeah. I respond to them. Exactly. And if I look at, so when someone sends me a link to some beats of theirs that I didn't ask for, mm-hmm. the first thing I do is I look at their Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. And if I see that same message addressed <laughs> <laughs> to different people, right. I block them. Uh, I don't even listen. Like mm-hmm. if I look in the, and you send it, hey, Drake, I've got the hottest beats. Hey, Blueprint, I've got the hottest beats. Hey, you know, Nelly, I got the hot. And then right. you're just sending it to random motherfuckers. link. Yeah, it's the same link. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, verbatim. It's like, look, man, I didn't come looking for you. It's okay to send me the link if I'm looking for you. Right. But you just can't be soliciting people like this. Right. This is just weird. So once I see that, it feels impersonal. I just block them. Yeah. You know, so I don't have to deal with it again. So producers. Rule number one that you do not need to follow mm-hmm. <laughs> is 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 that you have to work with many artists, that you have to chase placements. You don't. You don't. You Find don't. somebody dope yes. and make some dope shit. Yeah. Mold them. Mm-hmm. You know, mold them into the next whoever, the next Drake, the next uh the next Kanye, the next whatever you gotta be. Right. Uh common sense. You know, look at him and no ID. Right. You know, so first three uh, first three albums, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like don't don't believe that you have to do the opposite to be successful. And so that's rule number one. Yeah. Word up. Rule number two, which goes with what you were just saying at the end, mm-hmm. uh, that that hurts producers is the belief that you have to make the hot sound. Yeah, what's hot right now, oh, bruh? We've seen it. It's the worst. Where guys we know have started chasing what was hot at the time. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed about people who chase what's hot at the time is that their output is so much lower. Yeah, because they're trying to emulate something that's not them. Yeah, and they're always playing catch up. Yeah, always playing catch up. Like if if you're chasing a sound that you believe is hot for right now, you're not leading at all. Mm-hmm. The guys who are creating that sound, they're leading, and they're probably on something else. So why are you trying to create right. their sound? By yeah. the time you get there, mm-hmm. they're gonna be somewhere else. Right. You can never win by chasing. Like leading is is what's important, and when you lead, you never have to chase. I've never seen. Kanye West Chase. Right. I've seen him have, you know, records that have defined what music sounded like for the next three to five years. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But I've never seen anyone or any music he's done uh, sound dated in the sense that he was just doing what's hot at the time. Yeah, it's still, I mean, it's still Kanye records you can listen to beats where it's like, what the fuck did he do? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's nothing that sounds like that, that sounded like that or sounds like that today. Yeah, and, and it's so important. I mean, and here's another example. Like, look at how people like DJ Premier have had these super long careers. Right. He's done that because you could never say that Premier did what was hot. Right. He's worked with Christina Aguilera. Mm-hmm. You know, he's worked uh D'Angelo. Yeah, this new single he got is with some rock group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's, he's done it all. Yeah, but he's never chased what was hot. Mm-hmm. People look for him because they want that original thing that he does. Right. They want his sound. Yeah. And the, and the, what's important to understand is that every year that Premier stays around or guys like Premier stay around creating that sound 
they become more of a specialist mm-hmm. because there becomes less and less people like him right. every year. Right. You know, when Premier was uh, two or three records in the game with Gangstar, the whole music industry sounded like 90s yeah. rap. Yeah. Right. It sounded like that. Boom, bapish. Now, how many guys are around that can make that style? Very, very few. few. <laughs> very few like that. So his demand gets gets increased as time goes by as he just sticks to his guns and that's more valuable than chasing what's hot oh yeah at least in my opinion i i completely agree i mean because it's it's very rare that you at least today that you find artists or producers that have their own sound everybody's trying to make something that somebody else is making so they can get popular so they can get their retweets so they can you know get those placements like you were saying so it's it's you know when i started producing i just wanted to make beats that was it you know what i'm saying like however they come out you know what i'm saying like i wasn't trying to chase anything it was just like i want to make something that sounds dope yep and it's not a lot of producers that are doing that now they want to make something that sounds like you know travis scott or this person or that person you know so it's rare man very rare and it's exhausting Mm -hmm. like trying to do what everyone else does it's exhausting it's not fun no 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 and 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 the thing is you notice i mean you really got to study the careers of like other artists especially veteran artists to see that like hey wait a minute once you get to a certain point you're not really chasing what's hot anymore you've Mm -hmm. carved out your own lane and you're relevant regardless you're not running around chasing relevance you're like look i'm going to be dope as long as i keep doing what people you know love from me yeah tribe is a great example yeah they didn't have to sound like 2017 rap or 2016 rap when they came back no they came back sounding like what people love from tribe right and they were successful because of that while there are other people we know who as much as people say, oh, man, you should go and do this or do what's hot. As soon as they do it, it sounds fake. Yeah. Sounds, sounds unauth- forced. Yeah. And we're just like, man, I'm off that. <laughs> right. Why do you have to do that? Right. I don't want them to sound like whatever's hot today. I listen to them because I don't want to hear what dudes are chasing today. Exactly. That sound. And, uh, you know, it hurts your credibility. So producers, man, uh, like we're saying, rule number two, which which tells you that you have to make what's hot now break that rule yes don't listen to that rule the rule is that you just have to be dope Mm -hmm. just be dope now that may mean you can incorporate elements of some of what's going on now like maybe you say you know what i can use this snare that people are using a lot but i'm gonna freak this shit my own way and i'm gonna layer it with this and i'm gonna throw this on top of it and this behind it that's cool Mm -hmm. but never think that like chasing what's hot right now is the way to build a, a career that's going to be lasting yeah because it won't and not not at all very short-lived yep so break that rule that's rule number two number two number three all right you have to be versatile and must have a signature sound man that's a rule that you see everywhere yeah because like, everybody's always like yo you got to create your sound <laughs> not really i'm just gonna make what i'm gonna make you know what i'm saying whatever it sounds because i i kind of when i first started i kind of was in that mindset like oh i gotta find my sound and then i started making beats i'm like I don't need a sound. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just want to make something that's dope, make something that's hot. And, you know, whether I'm sampling, whether I'm playing, whether I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And a, and, a, and a thing, too, we got to make a distinction. Like, as long as you don't sound like everybody else. It's your sound. Thank you. You have a sound. <laughs> right. 
you know, like as long as I'm making beats or rapping in a way that doesn't sound like everybody else, mm-hmm. even though it's not deliberate, right. you have something that's unique. Right. And that's the real important thing. Like you don't have to say people say, oh, man, you got to have man, you know, and, and this is something I always blame on uh, the first Biggie record, the first Jay-Z record and the first Nas record. Mm-hmm. Those records kind of changed what people thought hip hop records should be. Mm-hmm. Those three records, like we're saying earlier, they those were the first ones that really threw away the have one producer for the majority of the record and right. still be successful. Mm-hmm. Those records all had like a song, except Nas's didn't have a song for everybody, right. but the 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 Biggie and the Jay Z first albums were like they had okay, I'm gonna have my club track, right? I'm gonna have my street anthem, right? <laughs> I'm gonna have my robbery track, right. you know what I'm saying? My chick joint. Yeah, my chick joint, you know. <laughs> Let me throw one battle rap joint on there. Right. Let them like, know I still got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those were very formulaic in that, you know, I got to then I have my R&B remix right. of that track. And right. they did all of this down to the to the to the to the T. Yeah. All of these formulas were repeated on those records, but that changed the archetype of what a rap record was at that point Mm -hmm. at that point it became okay now you have to show versatility Mm -hmm. you have to have a record for everybody on your album right right. you need some for the mamas you know and then we saw tupac do the same thing is it any coincidence that the the big three of that era like tupac biggie um uh and, and jay all were guys who had 12 different producers on their albums right didn't have the same producer on any track mm-hmm any two tracks on the record that's something that says a lot about what they were trying to do and how they were perceived as like these versatile rappers mm-hmm. but i don't necessarily think that's a good formula for sustainability and i don't like what happened after that because after that we saw the end of like cohesive rap records <laughs> right right <laughs> they just became like collections of singles yeah and i was never that big into uh, Tupac for that reason I didn't think he made good albums right me neither he made he made good songs yeah there, but yeah album wise yeah nah. and I didn't like Biggie's second album I liked you know the majority of his first one but I wasn't like a Biggie fan like that but it was the same thing I didn't like how it almost felt like it was formulaic to me mm-hmm. and they were just saying look let's, we'll just do one of these things for every little fan in right. here and so no one can say that there's not something for them on this album right and that's it, it, it looks like at the time, they're like, oh, this is a revolution. No, it was very safe. Mm-hmm. It was the most safest thing you could do, especially when you're dropping in the era of like the Wu Tang Clan. Right. And right. They're, they're having some of the most signature sound out there. Right. You know, so like, I, I, I try to stress, like, look, man, there's a rule out here where people say, yo, you got to be versatile. Nah, man, you don't have to be fucking versatile. Just man. do what you do. Yeah, do what you do. Mm-hmm. Don't think that you have to pander to fans. Don't think that you got to pander to whoever you want to sign you or, or, or this guy's crew or that guy's crew or, oh, man, I got to be relevant with the younger kids. So let me just do some trap shit. Let me just have some trill shit on here. Let right. me just do some triple time or double time because that's what's hot now. No, 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 no. That's when you start doing that, you're playing the Biggie, Tupac, um, Jay-Z thing. And I, I don't think you can truly, truly be very successful for a long time in this era especially as things are becoming more more niche by doing that you have to be um 
distinguishable yeah, from your I, peers. I think people lose themselves when they try to do that because they never concentrate and master anything. You know, like there's a reason that MF Doom has the following that he does is because he does what he does. Facts. You know, Quasimodo, you know, Mad Lib, you know, the reason that Dilla had the following that he had because he did what he did and yeah there was no you know of course he produced for janet and every a lot yeah. of a lot of a lot of different people but his music yep. sounded a certain way exactly exactly <laughs> you know what I mean? his yep. music sounded a certain way and that's how it is with most of the producers that have a niche audience that have like these you know crazy followings that follow them is because they don't they don't try to necessarily be versatile they just do what they do and if it comes out as a chick joint, it comes out as a chick joint. Right. They're not trying to make one. It just happens that way. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So yeah, stop stop trying to be, you know, a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, just be you. Yep. I agree. So that's uh, number three. Number three. We'll take a break. Word. Over the last several months, as the podcast has been growing, people have been asking how they can support the Super Duty Tough Work podcast. Well, Here's three simple ways to support the podcast. Number one, spread the word. This is the easiest and most effective way to support the podcast. In fact, it's free and doesn't cost you a thing. So there's no reason not to do it. If you're listening to us and like what we do, please take a couple of seconds and share the podcast on your social media pages. So whether you have Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, it's highly likely that you've got some friends who share similar interests and tastes and would dig the podcast too. That helps bring more listeners to the podcast and it helps us grow. The second way you can help support Super Duty Tough Work is to comment and rate. Now, if you're on iTunes or you have an iTunes account, give your boys that five-star rating. We need that. The more five-star ratings and comments we have, the higher our show ranks and the easier it becomes for people to find it. If you're on SoundCloud, there's a heart icon next to each episode on the left side. That's the like button. Hit that like button while you're listening. Also, add a comment while you're listening and join the discussion. All feedback is welcome. The third way you can support the Super Duty Tough Work podcast, the most valuable podcast on planet Earth, is to support our music. As you know, Illogic and I are artists. We both put out albums. Illogic makes albums. Buy his albums. I make albums and books. Anytime you support our music, you are supporting the making of the show. You can find my music, books, and t-shirts at waitlist.net. That's the word weightless.net. Go there, pick up something, and know that what you spent your money on is an investment back into creative projects like Super Duty Tough Work. In fact, I have a sale going on right now where you can get all three of my books for just $25. I'll even sign the books for you if you request it in your order form. So, there you have it. That's three separate ways you can support the podcast. The first two cost you nothing. We thank you for your support already. Back to the show. Ready. Word. Back. 
back into place. <laughs> Wasn't even gone for long. <laughs> you know, we knocking this out, man. This is, uh, you know, for the producers. Yeah. Young and old. Young and old. Veteran and novice. Word. And everyone in between. You know, the rules that hurt producers, man. We just gave y'all the first three. We got like seven more joints. We should do this for MCs too, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we will. That would that would yeah, we'll do that one. We'll do yeah, that we'll one. Do Future one episode, yeah. you know. And uh we'll, number four. We got number four, and this is one that kind of sparked this whole thing. Mm-hmm. The rule number four that producers should not follow that hurts producers is that you must sample the original record. Yeah. Coming up when we came up doing beats. That shit was a rule. Yeah, but you kind of had no choice. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there was no there wasn't kits like that. There yeah. wasn't the internet wasn't even popping like that. But you know, for a while there were guys. I mean, the real purists, mm-hmm. they didn't even like uh, ultimate beats and breaks. Right. Ultimate beats and breaks was, was like a sample yeah, kit record. Yeah, that was like the original sample kit record. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, here's all these drum breaks that you've been wanting, and you couldn't find the records because they're rare and it costs eight hundred dollars. <laughs> right. We're gonna put all these popular breaks on these things and sell it for ten dollars, and you mm-hmm. could have. And I have all the ultimate breaks mm-hmm. from back in the day. I mean, they don't even sell them like they used to, but I had all of them. But at that time, I was buying them. People were looking at me like, "Man, that's not cool." <laughs> Like you cheating? Yeah. Like what you doing? <laughs> Why you have you every call yourself a producer? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm looking at your crates and seeing all these ultimate breaks up in here, print. <laughs> What's really good? <laughs> I don't know, man. What's I, going I, on, I, I expect more from you. <laughs> like the purists were not with it, uh-huh. and, and that was the original uh, drum kit, if you think about it in production terms. But there has always been this unspoken rule among that sect of hip-hop producers that anything you sample you should always strive to have the original source Mm. now i never really observed that rule (laughs) (laughs) because it's hard yes and then the, the second thing you have is that you have guys once you start playing that game now you're at the mercy of the people who are not going to willingly share those sources with right, you. <laughs> right, right. So once you say, okay, cool, I need the original. Okay, cool, that'll be $500. Right, right. Hell no. Now, just to have a snare that right. I can only use on one song on any album, hell no, I'm not paying 500 for that shit. And so uh, I was never with it, and I always thought it was a dumb rule. Now, I do think that producers should know uh where the break what the break is you don't have to know the fucking record label right you know what i'm saying but you should be able to hear impeach the president right and be like yeah that's the impeach the president right you know drum break funky drummer yeah, yeah. funky drummer these are basics right uh, you should know them just through like because they're so common mm-hmm. and that you should at some point be like what is this break i keep hearing everywhere mm-hmm. and just do some diligence and find out that break mm-hmm. that to me will increase your knowledge i don't think owning the funky drummer record in and of itself is going to make you a better producer. Right. It might. And that's where we straight, we, we straddle the line between being a producer and being a record collector. Right. I've never been a record collector. Yeah. I'm like madly. I'm a loop digger. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like the mad lib, the guy I'm on yeah. that side, the producer slash mad uh, slash loop digger. I'm in it for the loops. Right. Now, do I find some dope records along the way? Hell yeah. Yeah, I have too, for sure. <laughs> I found some really dope records yeah, along the way. But would I have would I be happy about owning that record if it didn't have shit on it? No. Yeah, not so much. I need some loops. <laughs> 
right. I need some source right. material and sample, or it's a waste of time for me. Mm. You know, I like sitting down and listening for loops right. <laughs> to great old records. Uh-huh. To hear loops, uh-huh. but I'm not just buying the records <laughs> just to buy the records and to hang on my wall to say I got this $500 record that I never play because I'm worried about it getting messed up. I respect those who do because those are the people I think are on the other side of the fence. Those are record collectors, right. and they have a set of rules that, to some degree, does influence how beat makers make beats mm-hmm. because those guys know more about the source material right they're kind of like the gateway to a lot of dope shit mm-hmm. so you need to as a producer have some guys who know records in your wings right you don't have to know all the records yeah you don't have to be the guy but yeah you, you should know the guy yeah yeah you know the guy <laughs> you know sit next to the man you're the man sitting next to the man right because those guys have all those records and a lot of times they don't do nothing with them. Nah. Because sometimes they don't even make beats. They'll let you borrow. Yes. They don't have a problem. <laughs> right. You know, I've had many record collectors just give me breaks. Mm-hmm. Like, Print, what break you want? I'm like, shit, you ever got that blah, blah, blah break? <laughs> Here you go. Boom. Yeah, like last time I was in Indiana, my guy, uh, DJ Top Speed, uh-huh. I was out there working on him on, on a video uh, thing. I was interviewing him, and uh, we just sat his record, and he was just playing breaks, you know what I'm saying, at his crib. And, uh, there was some break, he but he's got 45s, all originals. Uh-huh. And so at one point he was like, man, he was asking me like, what what breaks are you looking for? Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, yo, man, I really want that, uh, how I could just kill a man drum break. You uh-huh. know, I didn't know the name of it. I'm just like, the right. one from Cypress Hill, how I could just kill a man. Yeah, he was like, oh, word. Yeah. Reaches over, doesn't even really leave the room. Oh, yeah, here you go. Pulls out the record. He's like, yeah, this is. This has only been played about five or six times. <laughs> okay. So this sounds better than the one that's actually been circulated on the on the on the internet and on Ultimate Beats and Breaks. Wow. I was like, holy shit. Hook me up with that. <laughs> this is when I was shopping list. Yeah. I was finishing up uh, King No Crown. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying and he was like, he's like, yeah. We were talking. We, I think it was substitution. We were talking about the substitution drum break that I use on the talented tenth. Okay, I had sampled the ultimate beats and breaks version. Right, sounds grimy and gritty. Mm-hmm. This cat pulls out an OG version. Yeah, this sounds like like they play, like in the like they in the room playing. <laughs> like a D'Angelo record. <laughs> it was the cleanest drums I ever heard in my life. I was like, this can't be the same break. That's if you go back and listen to my drums on on a talented tenth, that drum versus anybody else's, mm-hmm. mine sounds super clean and I didn't EQ them at all. Oh, you just sampled it? Sampled straight, it. straight up. I straight chopped up. them, I did not EQ anything. I didn't have to do nothing. Wow, they sound that fucking clean to, to where next I was playing them. I mean, there's all synths and strings on that that beat, but because he gave me this clean break, it just brought it all together. Mm. It sounded so perfect. So know the people who know the records, right? <laughs> Don't feel like you gotta have all the originals to make dope beats because you'll spend all your time searching for records. That's a job in and of itself. Oh yeah. And when you start talking to people who really know their records, then their level of knowledge is so deep mm-hmm. that you know it could take you a lifetime to learn that yeah i mean most of those people have been collecting records since they was you know five six <laughs> yep. seven eight years old yeah you know in their 40s now with houses full of records i mean i remember back in the day just going to adrian's house yeah yeah it's crazy you know, i remember that dj too. true skills just going to his house and records everywhere like huge victorian style house <laughs> yes with records everywhere you go there's records you know what i'm saying like i'm surprised it wasn't records in the bathroom yeah that was the only room there wasn't records <laughs> like yeah. it was records 
everywhere you know like and that's that's a different yeah and he's a, a dj and record collector but to me he's kind of like a record collector who djs right exactly just to make money to buy more records right 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 <laughs> sell those records and get more records <laughs> yep he's yep. not like a producer although he's made beats before mm-hmm. i don't think he considers himself a producer and I don't think he considers himself like a, you know, like a, a party DJ or nothing. He right. just he DJs when he gets to play what he wants. Right. That's that. Those are the guys who I don't think are like, like the 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 sellout, you know, DJs. Right. right There's right. certain guys who will play whatever the fuck you want, whatever you hire them for. Mm. They'll play that. Oh, you want me to play some Britney Spears and some blah 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 and whatever is hot right now? Cool. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got you. Then there's guys like True Skills who are like, hey, if you want a guy who's gonna play some rare funk soul mm. you know classic you psychedelic heard. rock from india on your guy i got the latest pakistan records <laughs> you know he got the fly shit from pakistan cuba right, right. that's him right, right if you're looking for that thing yeah hire me <laughs> i got you yeah but don't hire me thinking i'm gonna come in there and play what you want right. <laughs> so he doesn't do a lot of gigs but when he does if people love it mm-hmm. you know but he's a guy that you know you got to keep around just because he can teach you so much right and so as a, as a producer don't think that you got to own all these sources in order to be dope you don't need to own the sources you do need to learn about records mm-hmm. you do need to dig you do need to uh not rely on on certain sources is your only thing like don't just think that everything dope is on youtube right you know like understand that there's millions of records that will never even be put on youtube yeah. because they're obscure yeah you know and and you find this out every day yeah. and so uh understand that and, and and don't fall into the the rules that people set for that yeah i just remember prism was one of the people that i i mean because i never i never was really producing back then but i wanted to but when i saw prism making beats i'm like oh well you could do anything because prism <laughs> would sample from the tv yep. he he'd have a field recorder sampling just people walking past yeah i mean he sampled literally anything and everything and used any and everything and it was like okay there's no fucking rules you know i saw prism sample a broken record once yep (laughs) you know what i'm saying like just crazy stuff so there really isn't rules you just make what's dope and you know the people will come yeah i agree so that's number four number four number five number five you need rappers to be successful man say that one one more time you need rappers to be successful it's not real it's not true (laughs) it's not true at all that's a terrible rule some of the dopest producers don't (laughs) produce for rappers come on now (laughs) and when they do it's like very rarely right right very rarely man look when we first started i'll say maybe around the mid let's say like mid 90s the the first time i feel like the producer was put in the forefront of rap wasn't until pete rock and cl's move Mm -hmm. that was the first time we saw a producer's name get put before the rapper and that was the early 90s 91 92 93 but then think between that time and like 95 96 you still you hadn't had turntablism right you know all the djs were still behind the, the boards uh djing wasn't its own thing quite yet mm-hmm. um and then you look at the producers they were still behind the guys but fast forward to now oh yeah now you have entire genres of instrumental music where people don't want to hear any rapping over the beats. oh none you know none. and they will be mad if they do 
yeah. like they want to hear instrumentalism mm. and sometimes people producers now they still get caught up in this thing thinking I need rappers mm. to be successful. I need the cosign of these guys. I need these guys platform. Yeah. I need them to blow me up. Yeah, I need them to say that I'm dope. Yeah. yeah. You don't need a rapper to blow you up as a producer in 2017. Nah. You all you need is a bandcamp page and some dope shit. <laughs> Straight up. SoundCloud. <laughs> SoundCloud is some good. dope. That costs you nothing. Right. You know, so you don't really need anybody if you're dope enough. And we're finally seeing the point where instrumentalism, as I call it, is its own genre. Mm. I dreamt of this day from the from the moment I heard DJ Shadow and DJ Crush. I think it was 94, 95 in college. I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. this is gonna change everything. Because that was the first time I heard a producer with no MCs make something that was so musical mm. and had so much movement in it that you didn't miss the rappers. Yeah. And it was its own genre. Yeah, I think Shadow's the first time I heard a full instrumental record that I listened to yeah, regularly. Well, yeah, his was the one, the first one that really blew up mm -hmm. the, that genre. There were guys before him like him crush uh dj spooky mm -hmm. they all you know the trip hop movement from uh, ninja tune right. all of those things but even that stuff set the stage for shadow to have that full length that just yeah, blew up blew up and then everyone to come after that you know and and now it's just it's different you do not need to have a rapper you can go play out by yourself mm -hmm. you can play beats you don't need nothing yeah. you can get visuals behind you you want something on stage look cool get a projector yeah you know you can do shows w with other producers yeah. showcases you can uh, sell your records with no rapping on them come on man there's no excuse now as a producer to think that you need a rapper behind you to be successful. And if you tell yourself that, your career is gonna be very limited and out of your control. Very short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely short. I mean, a lot of the beats that I make, I don't even think about people rapping on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, Cause I'm, I'm starting to make more musical stuff and I don't even wanna rap on a lot of my beats. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you know as a producer sometimes, like, you know what? This doesn't need yeah, that. Yeah, don't need nothing extra. No, because ultimately, I tell guys that sometimes when I do beats for them, They'll be like, yo, I think the beat, the beat needs something else, something else. And sometimes I'm just like, actually, it just needs you. Right. Yeah. You're the extra instrument. That's it. Yeah. You can't evaluate a beat as supposed to be completely full and musical without the voice. Right. If, if, if that's it, you don't have, you don't need that. But then also we know when a beat doesn't need a voice. Right. right. Just like we know when that's the only instrument it needs, we know when it doesn't need shit else. Right. Like this thing moves all by itself mm -hmm. and it doesn't need a rapper on it to change the mood or to tell people what to think about i'm gonna let this shit ride and that's why i when you know when i did chamber music in 2004 mm -hmm. i saw that it didn't exist i was like yo this thing is gonna go somewhere where instrumental music is going to be its own genre mm -hmm. and although there's very few people doing it right now it's gonna eventually be its own thing and lo and behold we're there now yeah we're totally there but i remember when i put out chamber music and i wanted to write a blog about this how i lost a publicist because of that record oh word yeah a motherfucker quit <laughs> because it was getting such bad press i had a uk publicist uh -huh. who was doing uk and europe publicity for me for that record 
And he had did something before me for that, maybe like the weight room or something. But that record, because it was so, it wasn't rapping. Mm -hmm. It was instrumental at that time. There was nothing really like that. There wasn't who people were just like, we don't know what to think of this record. <laughs> yeah, like, what is this? And he was like, yo, I'm risking my reputation pushing this record, so I'm gonna have to quit. Mm -hmm. He straight up quit on me. Wow. Like I lost it because at that time that genre was not even established. Now it's easy to look. Oh yeah, you got Flying Lotus and you got mm -hmm. all these, you know, RJD2s of the world and you know, it's easy now. Right. You know, but before there were pretty lights and all these guys, but think back to t early 2000s. Yeah, it wasn't like that. No, no, no. It wasn't like that at all. And even RJ with Dead Ringer, it took about a year for that record to take off. Oh yeah. You know, when it didn't smash when it first came out, he had to tour and tour and tour and tour and tour. Mm -hmm. And then eventually people were like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, this, this is dope. This is dope, <laughs> you know? But even then it sat by itself in terms of, it had no peer. Mm -hmm. It kind of, it was in its own lane. And so people naturally, oh, DJ Shadow, because that was the only frame of reference they had. Right. Even though his record didn't sound like a DJ Shadow record, he wasn't sampling the same type of things, but that was the only frame of reference because the genre itself was very new mm -hmm. at that time. So, you know, those of you who make beats now and produce now, it's not the wild, wild west anymore. Right. <laughs> you right. know, you can actually have a home. There's a built-in fan base for just making beats. And maybe you're the kind of guy who just makes dope instrumental music. Maybe you don't have to have a rapper. And if you can play and if you can do dope music, fuck a rapper. Yeah, do it. Shit. Put that shit out and start today. Don't wait on any rapper or any fucking, you know, vocalist to co-sign. You do dope shit and let 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 the dope shit be the cake. And if the vocalist fuck with your music, that will be the icing on the cake. Right. But don't just come out there waiting on the icing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like the rappers and the vocalists and the, that's the icing. That's not the cake. You are the cake. You know? Word. So yeah, what was that number? That know. was number five. That was number five? Okay. So Word. yeah. Number six. Hit him. Dope producers don't make whack beats. That's a very important rule. Huh? That's a very important rule. Because <laughs> everybody know there's there's shit that you just don't let people hear. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, the, but everybody makes whack shit. Yeah, everybody. You everybody. Know? Yeah, somehow they got, people think that there's a rule because they hear only the dopest shit from the dopest people that they don't make dope, they don't make whack shit. Of course they, of, of course you're only going to hear the dope shit. Why would I, <laughs> why would I let you hear the whack shit? For what reason? Yeah, yeah like we got to let y'all in no matter who your favorite producer is. He's got some awful shit laying around. Yeah, he got some awful shit on awful that hard drive. That he does not want you to hear. <laughs> Nobody. Yo, no, no. And he probably laughs about how whack it is right. to himself. That's why he keeps it. <laughs> yes. Just to remind himself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 whenever I'm going through my, my beat making phases, I'll be posting on Twitter like, yo, made three beats today. One was good. One was average, one was whack. Okay, mm -hmm. made five beats, four were whack, one was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I like sharing that because I think people need to know uh -huh. that no matter how, how dope they think I am mm -hmm. or they listen to a record I produce, oh yeah, Adventures of Counterculture is incredible. You know, Celestial Clockwork, it's fucking incredible. <laughs> they don't know the vast amounts of whackness <laughs> that have happened. Yeah, that still just sit on my hard drive taking up space. Uh -huh. And I'm like, wow, this is extra whack. Or, this yeah. is terrible. What was I thinking that day? Everybody has that. I've I've heard RJ's whack shit. I've heard Aesop's whack shit. Uh, I've heard Ant's whack shit. Everybody's got whack shit. Yeah. Period. Every producer I know or have hung out with, they got shit that they don't want to play me. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just like verses. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm so because writers that just write. 
you know, you'll come up, you'll write a 16 yeah. and she'll be like, oh, I'm a terror. I'm a burn this shit. Like, this, <laughs> like this, this shit is not tight. There's no, there's no lines nothing. in here. There's nothing here. 16 bars are forgettable. <laughs> forgettable words right nothing special it's true man so like when you sit around and you tell yourself that look i gotta be like these guys who everything they they drop is dope is flame you're missing out on the most important part of the thing which is the process Mm -hmm. the reason that you get to hear all that dope shit from these guys is because they've made so many beats and so many of them were whack yeah. that they increased the likelihood of making dope shit right you that's what it really is it's a game of percentages i know that if i sit down and make four to five beats on any given day only one of them is going to be usable right for the most part yeah there might be one that could go either way where mm-hmm. i don't even know if it's dope right <laughs> like but, to, but i'll let someone hear it yeah, just to see to see yeah but then there's three that i know suck <laughs> Like, there's no one who can tell me that this beat is slightly good. So I'm not even going to let anybody hear that one. Right. But the one I don't know about and one is so dope that I'm excited to make beats the next day. And right. then I'll just do that over and over again. And if you do that, just think about it in terms of percentages. Let's say you make five beats a day for a week straight. You got 35 beats, right? But if you only make one dope beat every five beats... Now you got seven really dope beats. Right. It took you 35 beats to make it. Right. But you got those seven. Yeah. You do that shit another seven days. You're likely going to have another seven really dope beats. But what you're not going to do is sit down seven times and make seven dope beats. Right. Not gonna you're happen. not going to sit down 14 times and make 14 dope beats. Not going to happen. Every, you're not going to do it. And so you have to get your, your repetitions up mm-hmm. so that you can actually get like the, the, the sample size up. Right. You know, so you can pick out the one joint every five or six that you make that's album worthy. Right. Yeah. See, like I see with me just now starting, I haven't got to the point where I can make, you know, five beats in a day. Like I spend yeah. so much time on one beat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it might turn out I might spend five hours on that beat. And yeah. then when I'm done, it's like this shit is horrible. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like I got, but I, I I make sure that I that I still continue to push and like maybe I could do something. Do, yeah. But this shit ends up like yeah. this shit is whack. You know what I'm saying? So I haven't gotten to the point where I can make like you know five beats. Yeah. And one of them be whack. Usually I'll make one beat and it's either good or bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. If you're a beginner, yeah, yeah, don't don't put the pressure. Don't take the five beats a day thing literally. Yeah. Like yeah, whatever you make. Yeah. So you just need to make your five beats so you can pick the one out of the five. Right. Right. You know. What I'm saying? I might make five beats in a week. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And one will be a keeper. Right. Okay, I'll rap to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, get get that sample size up because you're going to make some whack shit. (laughs) Definitely going to make some whack shit. And dope producers make a lot of whack beats. They do. You know, so uh, number seven. Yeah. Oh, so. To piggyback off of that. Yeah. The rule that needs to be broken is that you only keep the dope stuff. Right. Now, I know guys who, who. they don't want nothing to do with their whack stuff. <laughs> delete. Yeah, they'll delete every single whack beat off their hard drive. And there's a couple reasons I think that's a bad move or a bad rule to have. And, and one is that when you delete all your whackness from your hard drive, you are no longer reminded of the work it took mm-hmm. to get to the dopeness. Right. Right. And so that's one reason. Second reason, when you delete that shit, all of a sudden, you get the impression that everything you do is dope. <laughs> right, right. So when you make a whack beat, it's going to be more depressing. <laughs> 
if you got 30 dope beats and it doesn't look like you ever made a whack beat and you make a whack one, you're going to be mad as hell. You're going to turn yeah. off the sampler and quit as <laughs> soon as you start cooking up something whack. Right. You know, and then the third reason why it's a bad move to do that is because taste is subjective. Mm -hmm. Like what I think is dope is sometimes a function of what I'm looking for. Right. Just like when we listen to records as producers, we may be looking for things that fit a sound that we're looking for. You know, mm -hmm. if I want to make a jazzy hip hop record, then I'm looking for a dope jazz sample and maybe a certain rock record or a soundtrack ain't going to hit me. Mm -hmm. oh, it's just whack right now. I ain't right. into that. But keep in mind that everybody's in different places. Mm -hmm. And so with you keeping this stuff that you may consider whack, you may just be thinking it's whack because it, it doesn't fit your style mm -hmm. or maybe it is something that no one's doing. Right. There may come a time when someone sits down and listens to that and like this shit right here, though. <laughs> You'd be like, what? Let really? me get 10 of these. You got more of this kind of shit laying around. Right. Like, actually, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I got a hard drive full yeah, of this shit. Full of that shit. Yeah. Let me let me burn you a CD real quick. Yeah. That could be what actually gets you somewhere. Sometimes you don't know where where popular culture or public sentiment is going to move to. Yeah. It's important to keep things open and keep keep that history there yeah. you know i think i think deleting whack beats is very similar to like ripping pages out of your to-do list after you finish something yeah like i have a steno i keep steno pad to-do lists i might i get rid of the whole steno pad when i'm done with it i'll put it away but i don't rip pages out when i'm done with shit mm. i keep them there so i can look at the old check marks and yeah, see where you came from see where you came from it, it was a constant reminder of your progress and i think production is very similar you don't want to just look at where you are right now you want to mm. take snapchat snapshots and see where was i last winter what was i on mm -hmm. what was i on in the summer yeah. when did i when was i active when was i not when was I on this these i was killing it that day right you know this one sucked but oh that whole week i was on fire this is very important. So don't let people talk you into thinking that deleting your shit is going to make you feel better about the dope shit. Actually, keeping the whack shit makes you feel better about having the dope shit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what I what I've done since I, do, I don't have that many you know beats yet. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I have every beat that I've ever made in order. So yeah. I, I'll listen to them in order from the first beat that I made to the beat that I made last week. And then I can listen to my progression. I can hear like that's. You know, sometimes I might have thought it was whack the day I made it, yeah. and I listened to it again. Like, yo, that's not that bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's definitely a, a great way to see where you've come from and to see where you where you can go. Because some of the whack shit might have some sounds that you might want to reuse. Yes, you know, the drum break might be dope, but the sample might be whack. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's so many different elements to beats a lot of times that you can probably find something to reuse because there's a reason that you gravitated towards that sound or that drum break in the first place. You yeah. Know? I agree totally. And yeah, there's times when like a beat will be whack for me to rap to, but then it will make the perfect backdrop for like an intro or right. interlude or right. something like that. Like, oh, I'm glad I kept this because this perfectly fits this thing right here mm -hmm. and I'm only going to use it for 20 seconds, right. but it totally changes the mood or it gets me to where I need to go in terms of the, the record. So you never know, man, you know, just keep that shit around <laughs> yeah especially with you know doing movies and shit you never know that could be you know oh background yeah. music bruh <laughs> let me tell you a story about it. you just reminded me of something i did um there was this movie i was supposed to work on in 2012 mm -hmm. it was called gosh what was the name of it the link with something but it was about uh bullying mm -hmm. but i was just supposed to do the soundtrack to it 
So this was 2012. We started having these meetings, all this stuff. I sat down in 2012 and I did what I thought was the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I sat down and made like 15 pieces of like music, mm-hmm. like OSTs type, you know, soundtrack shit that could be played during scenes, behind scenes, you know, no vocals or anything. And then 2012 went, movie got pushed back. Mm-hmm. 2013, pushed back. I don't think that movie was finished you know then like the the producers of the movie fell out with the guy who wrote the movie then the funding fell through by 2014 i was just like fuck it (laughs) right (laughs) this ain't happening i just kind of disconnected the guy hit me up in 2015 or 16 and said hey look man we finally finished the movie Mm -hmm. and we're gonna release it here or do x y and z you know um do you still have that music i was like sure it was, it was, I put it on my Dropbox four years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, anything you want to use, you can use. Now, I don't know whether they used a lot of it or not mm-hmm. because I planned on actually using it to score the film right. and customizing it to fit each scene. But I went back and started using it for myself. Uh-huh. I was like, yo, I'm glad I did this then because even though this didn't work out for that situation, you could never have too much music. Right. You Anything you do for something can be used for something else. And now that I'm into making movies, right. All of a sudden, this I'm <laughs> it like, works. yeah, this is perfect. Right I, now, I feel like I did it for me, mm-hmm. even though I didn't. So you know, never throw away things or think that getting rid of something because you don't need it at the time is a good move. Hold on to it, man, yeah. and revisit it later. I'm like you, like I number all of my beats sequentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, Ableton Live 0001 up right. to like 359. Like I know exactly the order in which I made them, and when I scroll through them, I can see like mm-hmm. where I've come from. You know, same thing. I advise everybody to do that, man. Word. So was that number seven? That was seven. Uh, Take a break. Eight. Yeah, oh. we'll, and we'll come back. All right, word. Eight, don't work when you're not inspired. Yeah, that's a shitty rule. It's horrible. <laughs> Yo, man, only work when you're inspired, bro. Yeah, you never work. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, don't let you have a bad month. Right. You know what I'm saying? Not feeling it today. Never work. Yeah, yeah, that rule is so shitty. But so many people really, really, really live by that one. Yeah, from producers to rappers to painters to, yep. you know, like any creative person a lot of times think that, oh, I got to be inspired to do this. Yeah. You know, no, not you, really. No, you don't. If you do it, you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I don't, what I've never liked about it is that, and I've done it myself, I had periods where when you start looking at inspiration like that, like I have to be inspired to make a beat, to be creative, you start giving the, yourself the subconscious impression that creativity is something that's outside of you Mm -hmm. that it takes a certain set of of events circumstances yeah to perfectly align to influence you to do something to pull something outside of yourself Mm -hmm. that's kind of scary like it's kind of like you know what at what point do we own how creative we are right do we say you know what man whatever i need to pull out of me is inside of me right and I can turn that on and off like a faucet anytime I want yeah. it. That, I'm dope. Yeah, I'm dope. I'm not going to stop being dope because right. I'm not high right. or because, you know, politics or because something local happened or because, you know, I fell out of my bed this morning. Right. No, I'm still going to be dope right. because it's inside of me. It's who I am and how I view the world. That's not going to change. And when we rely on inspiration to hit. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you're not making nothing. Right. You're sitting around. You're giving everyone. Because you can't give outside forces 
you know, you can't blame them for not being creative and then not give them the credit when you are. Right. Right. You can't have it. Because then once, when you are inspired, oh, I'm dope. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm the dopest thing walking the right. earth. Right. You want to claim it now. Right. Right. But before it was because they inspired you because these outside forces. So what is it? Are you dope? Or do we have to thank your environment and all these uncontrollable forces mm. for inspiring you to make this? Right. It's bullshit. It's always been inside of us. Mm. And we have to remember that. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Take a break. Take a break. Bam. What's up, everybody? Blueprint here to remind you that my latest project, the Vigilante Genesis EP, is available right now on Weightless Recordings. The EP is a collaboration between myself and my friend Aesop Rock, which features myself on the rhymes and Aesop Rock on production. If you are a fan of concept albums, comic books, or just good old hip hop, then this EP is for you. Vigilante Genesis is available on signed CD, blue vinyl, and deluxe digital exclusively at waitlist.net. So order your copy today. Thanks again for your support. Word. Hotep, my brother. Hotep. <laughs> <laughs> Rounding the band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got two more joints. Two more, two more. Early early morning edition. This one's going pretty well. Work. I feel more awake this time around. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I got to go to work, so I, I need to be awake anyway. But, oh, that's uh, true. Usually, I would probably just now be waking up. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, that's wild. Oh, it's 10.30. Yeah, I'm usually up by 8. But the, yeah. the last couple of days, I've been up at 6. See, I get up and wake my kids up, yeah. but then I lay back down for at least an hour or two. Yeah. You know? I, I, yeah, I don't have that problem. Yeah. Because <laughs> my kids got to get up. Like, my oldest gets up at 5 in the morning. 5.30. Really? Yeah. So, you know, I got to check to make sure he heard his alarm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't have to drive his butt to school. But Thanks. Yeah. 5.30 in the a.m. I don't envy you. Nah, it's not tight. <laughs> it is not tight at all. <laughs> So yeah, we got two more joints two left, more. man. You know, rules that hurt producers. You know, we done rattled off like seven joints. Yeah. Hot fire. Eight. Eight joints. Yeah. Oh shit. We only got okay, so yeah, two more. We you right, you more. right. I can't count. <laughs> it's early. It's early. So oh, yeah. uh yeah, you wanna do number nine? Alright. Um the more gear you have means you means the more output and that you make better beats. People believe that. Let me just get more gear. Nah. Man. You know what? I can't make the sound I want until I get that synth i want man i can't make the beats i want until i get that you know what i'm saying that midi controller i really need you know ain't no point in making beats right now dog like i mean look man look <laughs> i don't I heard your beats they cool man but you really need to get the blah 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 synth sweet once you get that synth then you gonna sound legit playboy right. because i mean i don't even know why you even trying with this bullshit you're working with <laughs> what you got is cool for starters but when you get some real gear then you will be a professional let me know yeah then start making some beats because right now you're just wasting your time young blood (laughs) (laughs) this is how they sound to me (laughs) you know like dog no matter what gear you have right now it's more powerful than 99.9 percent of the gear that was used to make every classic record in hip-hop right prior to 2000 (laughs) right because i mean with with the invent of vsts you have everything at your disposal all you need you don't even need a midi controller you just need a keyboard that's it that's it you know i mean you can make beats on your phone yes 
guys are making beats on their goddamn phone now. Yes. And people still have excuses about gear. The phone is more powerful <laughs> than the SP1200 ever was. Right. There's more memory on an iPhone mm-hmm. than the SP1200 could only get like seven, seven seconds of sampling time mm-hmm. or 12 seconds. Yeah. When they reminisce over you was made with one one thousandth of the processing power that your iPhone has. Right. Troy, a right. classic fucking beat. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> because the dude knew his records. He understood the technique. He didn't sit around like, oh, man, you know, it only got 12 seconds of sample time. Why am I going to make this? Beat? Yeah, what am I going to do? No, Pete Rock said, look, I'm going to freak this shit. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it sounds like it's 8-bit, 12-bit. Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed the records up to 45, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to slow them down on the sample so I can actually sample for more than 12 seconds. Brilliant shit they came up with back in those days to get around the 12-second limitation. And everyone who made beats in the era knew what that was like. Yet now we have people feeling like, oh, well, the gear you own controls how dope you are and the output and, and what you can make. Nah, man, I don't believe that at all. We see people make beats from with everything from, you know, garage band to Fruity mm-hmm. Loops to uh, just things that weren't even designed to make beats. Mm-hmm. Guys are being creative and making dope beats on it. And we got to stop using gear as an excuse to not create and also using it as a crutch. Totally, totally. Because you know? I, I, I mean, I see a lot of producers just, you know, because I watch a lot of YouTube stuff and, you know, cats have like, you know, 10 freaking synthesizers. Yep. And it's like, why? <laughs> you know, especially if you're not doing anything with them. There's a lot of no. dudes that have a lot of gear. They ain't put out a beat <laughs> in God knows how long. It's true. You know what I'm saying? They got, yeah. you know, mad organs and all kind of shit. And they ain't put out a record in, you know, 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make no sense. And some, and you know, what's even worse is the guys, you got guys who, who, they own all this gear and they've never put out a record. Right. You know, they're just like in perpetual, I'm just making beats. I'm just, you know, for fun. Yeah. And they can talk gear with you. Mm-hmm. Like they know more about gear than you do and you put out records and they don't. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I have, I can't have conversations like that with these guys because sometimes <laughs> it's like, how do you know so much about this yet you do nothing? Right. I don't even know that much about this gear. Right. And I'm a professional. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. You have a, a, a fucking, uh, you know, encyclopedic knowledge mm-hmm. of this piece of gear and all these sets and all this shit. Yet your output is zero. Mm-hmm. And if you see people like that, it, it, it should serve as a reminder that gear is not what creates the artist. Yeah. You know, artists are going to create art no matter what kind of gear they have. And they're going to make something work using what they have. I mean, we've I, I tell people I started on a Casio. It's called SK1. It's like this little tiny Casio keyboard that mm-hmm. used to be out in the 80s. And it had like four seconds of sampling time. Oh, where? Yeah, so Mad Rap Records was made with that back in the day. It's called a <laughs> Casio SK1. And it used to sound grimy, but it was like Casio sounding keyboard. It sounded shitty, mm-hmm. but you could sample drums and shit and play your drums on it, you know, wow. if you really wanted to. And, um, that was four seconds man yeah it was nothing that's nothing the first demo we made was on a karaoke double deck tape deck i didn't we i would loop it on the i would play a drum beat just drums and then i would just keep overdubbing and overdubbing and overdubbing mm-hmm. and i would drop the sample in mm-hmm. with the turntable once and then i would have it then i'd stay, stay the other bar i'd st- i wouldn't play it then i feel feel uh-huh. the next so i'd feel it every other bar 
Then I come back and overdub it, scratching it and fill in the bars. Uh-huh. The same sample. Then we would rap to it. So by the time we rap to this beat, it sounded so grainy and shitty from all the overdubs <laughs> of these tapes. But we didn't care. Right, We're right. like, fuck it. This this is like a 30th generation dub by the mm. time I add all these loops and shit uh-huh. to it. That's crazy. But to us, it was amazing. We're like, fuck it, man. You know, we wanted to do it. We found a way to do it, mm-hmm. and people are doing that now. You got you got you got Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got a laptop or or a phone or an iPad or a computer. That's you know. There's no excuse. All right. You got all the gear you need. You got all the gear you get, need, and you got more gear than anybody than a lot of people who have platinum plaques on their wall ever had. All right. Straight up. So what's your excuse? All right. You know. Word. Oh, number 10. Number 10. Uh, this is one that has haunted me many times. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that, you know, the rule that hurts producers, which is sitting on beats works. Mm-hmm. Listen, man. <laughs> Put it out. Bruh, I've had so many beats, so many loops. This is embarrassing to talk about. Put it out. Yes. When we first start, I would be like, I'm going to save this loop because it's too dope right now right we don't have enough fans uh-huh. i need this loop to be saved to when we blow up uh-huh. because when we blow up then it will be then i'm gonna smack him with it yeah then be hit him with it it will be appreciated <laughs> well, i'm sitting there on just crazy loops thinking that you have to have a big audience to use it mm-hmm. what the fuck was i thinking <laughs> what the fuck was i thinking what what happened those loops and those beats ended up sounding dated mm-hmm. if i would have dropped them then they would have sounded on time or ahead of time right by the time i got back to them bangers oh they're not bangers no more <laughs> like oh it sounded like some old 95 96 98 shit yeah. you know i was like look man you should have just dropped this when you started and maybe you would have blown up right Instead that would have been the joint. <laughs> right, right. right. Oh, I regret it so much. Never sit on beats, man. And that's just like the making beats and loops part. There's another aspect I have where like back in like the, the early mid 2000s, mm-hmm. I wouldn't sell nobody no beats. Yeah. I would not. Keep them for yourself. Yeah. Like, nah, man, I'm keeping all the dope for me, man. Right. Me and the crew, man. This is for us. <laughs> <laughs> y'all can't have none of these right. this, is, this is protected you know they ain't gonna like if i get you this beat the crew's gonna get mad you know, uh, i used to be thinking that right what i found now is like some of that comes from fear mm-hmm. like there's some fear of like not being able to come up with anything else yeah it's kind of like when you have when i moved from having notebooks to no notebooks mm-hmm. and when i moved from that to that all of a sudden, I didn't have no raps. Yeah. That was maybe 15 years ago uh-huh. where I started, 10, 15 years ago, where I started writing on my phone and I would only rap, rap, write to a beat at a time. Mm-hmm. Like the last time I remember having extra raps was when we did the Orphanage record. Okay. That was it. After that, it was like, well. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm just going to have to come up with something. Right. And the first year was a lot of anxiety. Like, am I dope? Do <laughs> am I, I still dope? Yeah, man, it would be nice if I had some raps laying around that I knew banged, you right. know, that I could just drop anytime. But now it's different because I know that what it is that makes me dope is inside of me mm-hmm. and that I don't need to have a catalog of 50 extra spare raps mm-hmm. or 50 extra beats laying around. No, 
I'm dope anytime I decide to be dope. I just have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. I just have to put in a repetition, you know, get the sample size up. But there was a fear that was making me hold on to things right. because I subconsciously believed I couldn't come up with more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of people suffer from that. So they, and it disguises itself in many ways. Mm-hmm. It disguises itself as, nah, don't, don't sell no beats to nobody. Right. Keep them beats for the crew. <laughs> Don't let out that. That shit's too dope to get put right, out right now. Uh, Sit on that one yeah, until you know. Hold your, that. Yeah, until your platform's bigger. Mm-hmm. These are all disguises for fear. Mm-hmm. You know, like fear makes you sit on shit. But when you're confident, you're like, fuck it, I'll make more dope shit. Right. I'm going to put all this shit out. All right now. Yeah. Next year, I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because I have so much dope shit inside of me. There's no limit. Yeah. That's the confidence you know yeah i mean i got i have an instrumental ep that i did last year that i've been waiting to put out and i was scared to put it out yeah but i'm just gonna put it out there man yeah maybe it's dope maybe it's not maybe it's but, dope, maybe but it's yeah not. sitting on things for the sake of it being too dope like mm-hmm. i was thinking nah yeah. don't do that like to, if, i was just scared yeah nah. <laughs> well i mean you want to know that it's dope right but you don't want to be sitting on it simply because you know like the the fear mm-hmm. like there's a way to find out if it's dope right. without letting everybody hear it like right. send it to a few people yeah get some and that's feedback what i did and yeah. i've gotten good feedback so i'm like okay yeah. and you know and worse come to worse you can use it as a a, a a bonus item for something you sell exactly which is what i I do sometimes if i got something and i, I just want it out or you know what fuck it i put this on the download card this will be the bonus thing that i've been sitting on for years but mm-hmm. it's dope all right you know, so I have a few of those. Yeah, there's no. We got so many outlets now as artists. There's no reason to sit on music anymore. I feel that. You know, so that was number ten. Number ten, man. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. And there is a, a bonus joint. Yeah. Yeah. Bonus joint. Bonus bars for them. Only making beats for money. Say it again. Only making beats for money. What kind of rule is that? That means you ain't a real producer. <laughs> you don't love this shit. Look, man. Every producer has to do some spec work. Right. <laughs> they got to do some free work, man. And honestly, man, like I think sometimes when we focus on only making money, we we neglect we neglect relationships. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes there are relationships that are more valuable than money. Right. Ever could be. Right. And what I've noticed about just life in general is that it's often much better to be uh giving something and have people want to give back to you to be the guy who's asking for things all the time. Right. Like the more you give, the more that comes your way. So there's times I don't mind giving people shit sometimes. You know, it's like, look, fuck it. Take it. I don't mm-hmm. care. Yeah. I've been sitting on it. You right. know, or yeah, take the you know, hey Pran, I want a verse for this. Cool. Whatever. It doesn't really matter because sometimes you know that that's the key to opening up opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I think people got to stop defining success so much in terms of money. Yeah, money's important. Oh, it's definitely important. You can't pay bills with opportunity. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, AEP not taking props and respect. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got this opportunity for you, though. Yeah, yeah. They, if they, you keep my lights on, I got this opportunity. Yeah, like, look, man, I got some props coming at the end of the week. If y'all could just keep the lights on for a few more days. Right. <laughs> that shit don't matter in the real world. You know, you want to have things that make money. But you also don't want to always look at like money as the chief reason for doing something. Sometimes people are so dope that you should just work with them in general. Right. Just to be a part of the process. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, shoot, my my new album, that's how it occurred. You know what I'm saying? I I heard Lucid doing a set. I love the beats. Yeah. 
you want to do a record dog yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i ain't asking you to pay me i ain't not, let's do it i want to work with you because i think yeah. you're dope you know what i mean so that's yeah. dope so yeah that's it that's it so, oh we got to read them back read them back all right you want to do it yeah i'll read them back okay all right so number one rule that hurts producers working with too many artists and chasing placements yes don't do it don't do it Number two, making what's hot right now. Mm, don't trying do to it. keep up with the Joneses. Mm-mm. Number three, you have to be versatile and you have to have a signature sound. Hey man, just don't copy everybody. Yeah, just be you. <laughs> just be yourself, and that'll yeah. be signature enough. You have to sample the original records. Don't do it. It's too expensive. It's too expensive, <laughs> and it's, it's real time consuming. Just be dope. Yeah, uh, you need rappers to be successful. Not in 2017. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Dope producers don't make whack beats. They all do. We all do. <laughs> Everybody does. You only keep the dope stuff. No, you don't. Keep everything. <laughs> keep it all. Uh, don't work when you're not inspired. You never do anything then, bruh. <laughs> you would never do nothing. Work all the time. All the time. Number nine, more gear means more output and better beats. No, it doesn't. It just means more gear and more money. You ain't doing shit. Spending more money. Yeah. And number 10, sitting on beats works. Everything must go. (laughs) Sell it all. (laughs) Everything. Price to move, baby. Everything must go. Selling these beats today, baby. We not sitting (laughs) on these. (laughs) Everything must go. Holla at your man. I got two for five in the back. They selling that bullshit down the street. They shit been stepped on. We got that fucking Frank White over here. Got that blue magic. <laughs> oh, man. And last but not least, the bonus joints. You only work for money. Yo, come on, man. Come on. Work with dope people. Yeah, if you love it, then do yeah, it. Yeah, do dope projects. Pick and choose. Wow. Some people you got to tax. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people they deserve to pay. Yeah, you know? some people you gotta even hit them with the asshole price. Right. <laughs> Two some, G's for that beat. Dog. Right for you. <laughs> Twelve grand. <laughs> Since you my dude, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know who you are. That'll be twelve G's. <laughs> Just come with a, a crazy price. <laughs> Just to keep them off your back because you don't want to sell it to them. One million dollars. <laughs> Remember Prism had that line said, Bitch, please, I wouldn't work with you for six G's. <laughs> that was always one of my favorite Prism lines. <laughs> Bitch, please, I wouldn't work with you for six G's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Word. Oh, yeah, that's it, man. That's it. You know, we'll catch y'all next week. Word on up. On the other side. Super duty. Peace. Thank you for listening to Super Duty Tough Work. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Peace. I got styles already that's more complex than nobody know about. I mean, super duty tough work. (laughs)